0: To thrive, welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bockham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life, time to live it. If you're in the United States, you're at the beginning of the holiday season, it starts rushing in in this third week of November when we start Thanksgiving, and it just plows on through the first of the year. And a lot of times we kind of get through Thanksgiving in order to get to the other holidays, which in my mind is quite a loss. You know, sometimes people talk about the fact that all of the holiday decorations, all the Christmas decorations and everything else are already in the stores long before we ever get to this moment of Thanksgiving. If you're in other countries, you probably have holidays where you do the same thing. And a lot of times people wonder, you know, why do we do that? I mean, we're just getting together for a nice meal. And so we often go back to those stories about why we do Thanksgiving. And in the United States, Thanksgiving was uh, attributed to the pilgrims when they came to the U.S. and they had made it through very tough times. And they found themselves still surviving. And realizing that through the survival, they needed to give thanks, which is really a reminder for us of how important that is. I've talked about my own illness before. It's been about 15 years now, and when I was sick, uh, the doctors were pretty sure that uh, I had shortened my life and would certainly be be disabled. And fortunately, they were wrong, hopefully on both accounts, but certainly they were wrong on the disability account. And so uh, after that, I began to be very clear about my need to be thankful, to be uh, thoughtful of all that I have in my life, not what I don't have. And that really is the thing about being thankful. It draws us to a new place in our own thought process, and that's why it's so important for us to be intentional about our thoughtfulness, intentional about our thankfulness, intentional about our appreciation. So we do that, maybe not as often as we should. Some of us try to work on that as an everyday habit. If you say grace, for instance, before a meal, that's basically what you're doing is trying to remember to be thankful for what's in front of you and what's in your life. So why is that so important? Well, we have this wiring in our brain that's set up for fear. That's our basic element. We've inherited that from our ancient ancient ancestors that were always having to be on guard. So that part of their brain was looking for the threats all around them. You probably see it. if I mean, if you watch a deer, like in your backyard, you'll see that deer is always a little skittish waiting for something that it has to get away from. And in some ways, we humans have that same wiring where we're looking to see what's going to threaten us. Now, the interesting thing about humans and our brains is our brain is wired both as predator and prey. In other words, we're looking for where we can find a meal and at the same time looking to not be a meal. So both of those pieces are a part of our brain as opposed to like a deer that doesn't have to worry about that. We have the, the need to be on alert, but we also have that instant place where we can feel like we're, we need to attack. And that wiring is so basic in our, our system, and we can watch how many people go and flip that switch where maybe they felt a little fear and they suddenly go on the attack. You see that fear is built into our system. That fear is built into our brain. It's, it's cooked into our DNA. And the reason it's there is because if we can't survive, we can't do anything else. So there is a purpose for that wiring. Here's the problem. I don't know about you, but in the past few days, I haven't had to worry about being at the watering hole. I haven't had to worry about whether there is food in my uh, refrigerator or in my cabinet. None of that has been an issue it's there. It's waiting for me. I can turn on the faucet and the water is there. Now that's not true everywhere in the world, but in my life, and probably if you're able to listen to this podcast, it's true in your life too, which means that that part of the brain that's going on the fear process isn't so necessary, isn't so important for us to have. And yet it's still there. So that brain is always scanning the environment. And unfortunately, if we're not careful, if we don't make a conscious effort to go to a different place, it's always just waiting for triggers and triggers are around us all the time. In fact, this is the favorite occupation of politicians and, uh, and of marketers. They want to tie into that fear place because they know that fear place can motivate us to do what they want but it doesn't necessarily motivate us to do what's important to us. We can become so fixated on dealing with what's scaring us that we never step into the world that we want to have happen. That fear brings us to a place of scarcity all the time. And think about how that's played on by others in public, by politicians and by marketing and 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 all of the media that surround us or what we don 't have, you know all you have to do is click onto your social media and see all the great experiences others are having and all the great clothes they 're wearing and all the great places they 're visiting to have a feeling that they 've got something you don't, and we begin to be motivated by that or the fear that's that's put into us by politicians on all sides of the spectrum about what 's going to happen if we don't follow their plan. It's not about what our plan is. It's about getting on board their plan. The same with marketers. If we don't have their thing, their gadget, their gizmo, their whatever, we're going to be left out. If we don't smell right, if we don't look right, if we don't have the right toys, the right house, the right cars, the right whatever, somehow we're going to be left behind because there's not enough for us. And so that fear place that they're pushing against brings us to a place of feeling like there's a scarcity around us. And yet right now, we live in a world of abundance, a world of abundance. In most countries, people who are living at even a lower level are living in a much more capacity than even royalty would have lived in just a while back because we have so many things at our disposal. I mean, think, when you were younger, did you, depending on your age, but did you think you could pull a computer out of your pocket and make a phone call on it? I mean, the capacities we have of all of the things around us to be able to, to call a car to come to you and pick you up and take you wherever you want to go, to be able to go, to be able to get into an airplane and, and go across the country – You know, a lot of times people talk, even in this time of year, of all the travel issues and all the travel problems we have, and sometimes they complain about that. And I remember the last time I got on a plane, I was was flying pretty far, and somebody said, you know, I hate these flights. And I said, you know, I know what you mean until I think about how long it would take me if I drove it and how inconvenient it would be if I drove it. And so I can complain about that, but wow, I can also appreciate it. And you see, there's the switch. Can we move to a place where we're not based on what we don't have, what's not going right, what scarcity we have, and shift it? We override our basic wiring when we start looking at things from a gratitude perspective, an appreciative perspective, a thankful place, maybe even a thanksgiving, giving thanks for what we have in our lives. And that's where the override is because it shifts us to something else, to abundance. Now, probably if you're like me on Thanksgiving Day, you end up overeating and we can complain about all the food that's there, you know, that that we overeat. And yet, in some ways, that's a moment of saying, wow, look at the abundance. Look at all that's around us. Maybe you even find yourself, you know, kind of bemoaning the fact that it's time with family and how that can be tense and frustrating and stressful. Or you can say, wow, look at the opportunity of spending time in relationships So we have these moments where we can choose to override our basic wiring. I was having a conversation just yesterday with somebody telling me how much she was dreading Thanksgiving because there are multiple places she needed to go uh, to be with family and, and how hard it was. And I started asking about, you know, what were the meals like and what did she like about it, what she appreciated, and I could watch a shift in her as she began to appreciate the opportunities it gave her to see family and appreciate the opportunities of, of eating at different places and enjoying the great cooking of different people. And it was a simple shift, an outlook shift. Instead of the have to, she began to think about the get to, the opportunity that's given to her, and that's the place where we can make that override. The fact is that we all have this moment to be thankful for where we are. And we think back about that Pilgrim story. Now, obviously, there are lots of details that are left out about that when we tell the Pilgrim story. But what we do know is that they had been through devastating times, illness, death. They were surrounded by starvation and tough times. They had managed to somehow ragtag themselves to the end. And instead of saying, wow, man, we were lucky, we got through that, they said, hey, let's be thankful. Let's express our gratitude so even when we're down, one of the things that we can look at is that we're not out yet. We're still moving forward. Sometimes the most we can say is, hey, I'm still here and I'm still kicking. And you know what? Even that is from a place of gratitude when we, when we flip the switch, when we work instead of buying into the fear that we override that by looking at the abundance, the things that we do have, not what we don't have, but what we do have. Lots of research shows that we can actually rewire our brain just by our thoughts. So let me repeat that if we allow ourselves to go kind of on automatic, our brain will function on fear and lack. Our brain will look for what we don't have and what threats it can perceive. And here's the thing about our modern brain. Because the threats aren't like they were, we broaden out what could be a threat We broaden the capacity of what that threat is. And so instead of it being a narrowing gap in our brain, it's enlarging. It ends up being the person in the next cubicle over who gives us a funny look or the tone from a spouse rather than worry about the tiger on the Savannah or the wolf that's on the other side of the hill or the uh, enemy a tribe across the way. Since we don't have such pointed threats, we broaden out the capacity of threats because our brain is just looking for the threats. Now, if we allow ourselves on automatic, we keep lining up the fears. But if we choose to override that basic system and start looking for what we are thankful for, what we're grateful for, where we have gratitude and appreciation, we're actually rewiring our brain, meaning we're actually rewiring the neuronal pathways in our brain. We're overriding that natural piece and we're building in another level. We're building in another level that says, yeah, yeah, those, those threats, I know, I can watch for them, but I'm not worried about them because I'm appreciating what's around me. I'm not allowing the anxiety and the stress to catch me by those other pieces because I'm aware of what's around me. So the piece of the puzzle that we get to learn is that we have our own capacity for rewiring because of what scientists call brain plasticity. It means that your brain at any age, at any time, can change. That allows us to recover when there's an injury, but it allows us also to change our outlook simply by thinking differently. The question is whether we choose to think differently or whether we just allow it to happen on automatic, and that's, that's your choice, which is why it's nice to have at least one day a year where we're very clear about that. My proposal is that you might make it every day instead of just putting it in that one time. If you don't already have a gratitude practice, that you begin to think about how you might build that into your life. My family chooses one word a year. We choose it on on New Year's Eve and we live into it that next year. And I take that very seriously. One of my words was thanks. And it was just a time for me to be thankful, to, to use this, that year to be thankful in my life. I also had a year where I wanted to uh, be appreciative of people. My year of appreciation started with me writing people in my immediate family a letter of appreciation, what I appreciated about them. And over the course of the year, I did the same with other people in my life, sending them a letter or an email or taking them to lunch and telling them about what role they've played in my life to show my appreciation. Now, the cool thing about that was a lot of people felt good being told that, but what they didn't know is it impacted me, that part of what I was doing was building in gratitude into my life. And so what I try to do every morning as I'm taking my walk, My, my dog Ziggy and I take about a four and a half mile walk every day of the year, pretty much unless it is just so bad outside that it would be dangerous. Even if it's raining a little, we take that walk. If it's hot, we take the walk. When it's cold, we take that walk. And I spend that time at least for a few minutes just thinking about what I'm grateful for that day. I make it a task to come up with five different things that I'm grateful for, just to reflect on that. It doesn't take me long. I've got plenty of time on the walk. On that walk, I, I do a little bit of stretching. I do a little bit of breathing. A few other things that are intentional before I just kind of meander through the neighborhood. And part of that is thinking about my gratitude points. What I find is it readjusts me. Instead of living in fear, I find myself living at a le- more of a level of gratitude. Now, I start with an assumption of gratitude because I'm living what I call bonus time. This is the time I didn't think I was going to have when I was sick. When the doctors were telling me I might not have much more to be able to do things, I got very serious about what I needed to be working on as I got well. I didn't get well because I was uh, full of gratitude. I got well and then I began to think about the gratitude of that of how grateful I was for the time I have and how important it was for me to be intentional about using that time wisely. So part of the process of rewiring our brain is to be clear about the places that we want to step in and let it be from a place of gratitude and appreciation and of abundance rather than fear and threat and scarcity. You have a choice on either outlook and you can find proof of either approach. One leaves you defensive, the other leaves you at a place of giving and a place of sharing. I tend to think that we in this world have had way too much fear, way too much threat, way too much scarcity. I think that we would much better work if more of us decided to be appreciative of what's around us and decide to share from that place. So my challenge for you is to find some places of building more gratitude into your life. If you've already done that, find another place to add it in. If you haven't made that a regular part of your life, test it out. Try it out for about 30 days just to see what happens if every day you were just to point out three to five things in your own mind that you're grateful for. Now, one rule for that, I would suggest that you make sure that you're looking for different things each day. The challenge for me is to find those five different things because I do that every day. But there are always things right in front of me if I just look. The problem is if you use the same ones over and over, if you name off you know, your kids and you know, your dog or your cat or your house or whatever else it is that you're appreciative of, if you just name off those same five every day, eventually that's just coming from a place of memorization recitation. doesn't mean anything. The challenge is to be looking for it because there's a process that happens when you take that on. The first thing is that you start searching for the things to be grateful for. You know, I happen to know that tomorrow morning when I get up to do five things, I need to be looking for those today so that they're on my mind tomorrow. I'm just pulling them all together tomorrow. So I start searching for them which brings in a built-in awareness of the many places in my life to be grateful. The awareness begins to expand, and eventually it becomes a habit of thought. The outlook has changed, and that's the magic of Thanksgiving. Your challenge is to not make Thanksgiving a day, but to be giving thanks every day to find places of gratitude. Our challenge is to see if we can begin to shift our thinking, and our brain so that it moves in a much more thoughtful method. If this has been helpful for you, I hope you'll share it with other people. You can let people know about it by tweet. If you're a, tweet, a Twitter person, just simply by typing into your browser Thrivology.com slash love. That's Thrivology.com slash love. And you can also find more information about how to build more into your life, more gratitude and more of good stuff into your life by looking at my 15 Thrive Principles that are in my book, The Thrive Principles. You can find that at thethriveprinciples.com, thethriveprinciples.com, or you can find it wherever you find your books. This is Lee Balkum, wishing you the best for a thankful, gratitude-filled life.